Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. Episode 1. Google is the next AOL. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Moo.com, the online provider with the most beautiful and coolest business cards around. For more information and for a 15% discount on your order, go to thisweekinlotus.com slash Moo. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of This Week in Lotus, the weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. It's awesome to have you listen to this new podcast, so thank you so much for downloading. On this first episode, we have my co-host, co-conspirator, and as an Englishman living in the deep south of America, the bridge between the old and new worlds of the Lotus community, Mr. Darren Duke. How are you, Darren? I'm doing well, Stuart. How are you today? Yeah, I am great. Thank you very much. It's great to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you, and I'm sure the people in Louisiana would say Atlanta's not exactly the deep south, but it's, it's, it's close enough. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, that's, that's my American geography revealed. Um, <laughs> so, Darren, you're obviously from Simplified Technology Solutions. Um, where, where's that based out of? Yeah, we're based out of Atlanta, Georgia, in the States. Um, we're IBM, Lotus business partner. We do all of the Lotus stack from Domino through Quicker, Connections, Paul, and a lot of VMware and a lot of BlackBerry, and that's basically what we do that's my life and where can folks find you if they want to get hold of you a couple of places i have a a, a pretty well-traveled blog it's blog.darrenduke.net or blog.darrenduke.com and also on twitter darren duke d-a-r-r-e-n-d-u-k-e all one word and also i'm a p- occasional contributor to tipsin2.com which is a site for lotus notes end users as opposed to uh, our normal inside the yellow bubble kind of people. Excellent. Okay, well, thanks very much for joining us today. Darren and I have, have been chatting about starting this podcast for quite a while now, really since the beginning of the year, feeling there's a, a definitely a place, um, I certainly believe this, for a regular weekly show that focuses on the community as a whole and for a podcast that can give a voice to, to more of the folks in the community that participate and maybe some on the margins as well in terms of people that maybe don't have blogs or else are mainly listeners and, and readers to blogs rather than and being involved. So um, that that's the idea this week in Lotus and um, you know, it's great to, to finally be online. So um, today on this first episode, we're delighted to have um, some additional people joining us. This will be the format each week. Um, we'll be recording every um, every Friday uh, about lunchtime in the UK, 7am in, in Eastern, uh, and the podcast will be published over the weekend. And the idea is to have voices really from IBM, from business partners, ISVs, analysts, customers, um, and even journalists as well. Um, and the idea is that opinions will be representative of the individuals that are involved rather than of the organisations they necessarily work for. So joining us today we have from London uh, in England we've got the uh, the man who, who really has the job of keeping uh, Gab Davis and Tim Davis busy at Total Partnership it's Mike Smith. Hi there Mike. Hi Stuart. Uh, hi Darren. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's great to have you on. I, I, I'm thinking of bringing you in really Mike as being the, the sensible business person amongst us. Um, yeah, it's only from a sales and a marketing bent. Is is that right? Is that your major role? Uh, that is my major role. That's right. Uh, over here within the Turtle Partnership. 
uh, I'm not too sure about Sensible, but I certainly try and keep a business head on. Excellent. Where can people find you if they want to get hold of you? Uh, through our blog at blog.turtleweb.com. Uh, this morning's story is the thrilling one of how we uh, joined the queue at the Apple Store in Regent Street to get ourselves some iPads this morning. And we even saw Stephen Fry, which is uh, uh, interesting as he then was hugged by somebody who was rather drunk. <laughs> at what time in the morning was that? Seven o'clock this morning. Um, quite a big queue round the block, I'm told. Uh, and uh, but everybody uh, in the queue got got themselves an iPad. Excellent. That's good news. So so you join the the crew now. I think Gab already had one, didn't she? Yes, that's right. We uh, ironically we'd had one delivered yesterday, and we'd also got one by other means uh, previous to that. Really, really interested in them. The their use of Traveller, uh, it's a fantastic uh, interface. Uh, the speed, the usability of it has been amazing. Uh, really, really impressed. Uh, and also, they're, they're very good at uh, showing images, photos, presentations, and such. So, very interested in this as a as a, a business platform. Excellent, and it has the advantage of being able to play movies and. Twitter and all the other things as well. So, um, also joining us today, we have um, again another inhabitant of the state of Georgia. I think um, we have Hanley Cameron of Soft Choice. Hi there, Hanley. Hi, Stuart. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. Darren and I are both in Atlanta. Okay. So, as usual, we're talking to each other over Skype when when you're in the local geography. How how close are you to Darren? Um, I think we're on the other side of town, which in Atlanta is uh, you know about like being on the other side of Europe. I think, but <laughs> we're uh, we see each other often at things like Atlanta, uh, you know, the Lotus User Group and that sort of thing. Excellent. Yeah, you you you've got to understand that Atlanta's about the width of the United Kingdom, so that doesn't mean a lot. Okay, fair enough. We we sometimes lose how how big America is and how large the cities are. So uh, so thanks for pointing that out. So what do you do at Soft Choice, Hanley? So I'm a solutions architect. So my my main role is helping uh, customers understand you know all the Lotus technologies and and you know where they are with their deployments and how to uh, improve them, do upgrades, what the new you know new technologies like connections and all that are, and how they can drive their business with them. Awesome. Well, thanks thanks for coming on our first podcast. It's great to have you on. And lastly, from the home county of England, we have the host of the Xcast, Xpages advocate, and master of the Lotus Sphere Solutions Lab, as I like to put it, uh, Tim Clark of IBM. Hi there, Tim. Hello, Stuart. Hi, Darren. Hi, everybody else. Great to have you on today, Tim. So, so what's your role at IBM? Uh, well, currently my role is um, business partner technical enablement for uh, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, uh, which basically means that I try and champion any of the Lotus branded products um, to the business partners and try and get them to utilize our technology in their solutions. Excellent. Okay. And, and what, where can people find you if they want to get hold of you? I think you have a blog, don't you? Uh, yeah, I'm all over the place, um, but that's just a state of mind normally. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, blog.tc-soft.com, um, or you can find me on Twitter as TimsterC, or you can find me through the Xcast, which you mentioned is a, an Xpages podcast that I run. Excellent. Well, that's, that's super. So thank you all for joining us today. So uh, the, the format of uh, This Week in Lotus really is that we'll, we'll try to cover all the latest um, news and topics and events 
community efforts and so on that go on in the Lotus community and outside really looking at areas of social collaboration and um, and, and really anything of interest that we think to the Lotus community. So let's kick off with, with probably the major news story of yesterday on Planet Lotus, which was Eric Mack's blog post about um, a tweet that he'd seen by a chap from IBM saying, you cannot know how truly horrible Lotus Notes is until you've been forced to use it, which has certainly seems to have uh, raised a bit of a storm, uh, particularly in the comments on Eric's blog. So I wonder whether anybody's got any particular views on that. Is, is, do, you, do you think that's representative of, of maybe views outside of our community in terms of how people see Lotus Notes? Um, this is Darren. I'll, I'll take my first piece of this, and I'll be the Simon Cowell on this jury for this dude. <laughs> um, to, to cut it short, the, the guy just needs to go. It's, 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 this happens time and time again where non-IBM, well, non-Lotus IBMers come out and have these retorts or these tweets or these emails in front of customers and even worse with John Mulholland, who is the guy in question. I don't know the guy, um, but, you know, just a, a, a 10, 15, 20-word tweet and this guy is going to be famous in, in, the, in the yellow bubble f- for, for quite a while. And I think the real travesty here is, is the guy's title. He is purported to be a technology strategy consultant, so you can kind of imagine if he's ever put in front of a customer what he's going to say, what their technology strategy should be, and it's probably not going to include any Lotus. Um, I I would definitely advise listeners to go and look at Eric's blog and look at some of the comments, uh, because there's some very good points about what what do we think other organizations who weren't IBM, Coca-Cola, Apple, Microsoft, etc., would have done had one of their employees said this. So I'm I'm not even on the fence. I think this guy's got to go. Interesting. I mean, it's it's certainly... Offers a couple of aspects, really, doesn't it? In terms of, you know, one is is should an internal employee of a company be saying negative things, you know, at all in public? And secondly, I guess from a IBM perspective, IBM is so huge that you're always going to get, you know, one of the four hundred thousand people perhaps that doesn't like Lotus Notes and is willing to say that publicly. So, I guess how can IBM as a business control people who have, you know, particularly strong views one way or another? Well, um, oh, sorry, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, sorry, Darren. Um, from inside the IBM bubble, as it were, we do have a social networking charter that we all sign up to. It's part of our what we call business conduct guidelines. Um, and it it does say specifically that you're supposed to be positive in everything you do in a, in a public environment. So I suggest that this guy um, will probably need to have his manager reiterate the um reiterate the business conduct guidelines to him um interestingly i've just searched for him on our internal directory and i can't find him so maybe um darren your wish has already been fulfilled <laughs> let that be a warning to everyone else that walks past <laughs> well, i think one one note on this it was noted in the in the blog comments is that a lot of people in IBM do not have the latest version of Notes. Um, that if you're outside of the Lotus area or the, te- the development areas of Lotus, it's actually very hard to get the latest version within IBM. And we see that in other clients as well. A lot of these people in, you know, in the public who've been saying, oh, I don't like Notes or whatever, you ask them and they're running you know, version 6 or version 7. They haven't seen any of the new interfaces or new things it can do. So that it, you know, that's actually an issue within IBM too. I I have to disagree. I, Handley, I, I, I 
realize where you're coming from on that and, and I understand that inside other organizations that might be difficult but for anybody with half a brain inside IBM to get a new version of the product is dead simple you just go and download it um, anybody who installs any software on their desktop inside IBM has a website they can go to and they can download the very late well not the very very latest version but they can go and download the latest gold version of the product everyone has access to it if they choose to use it yeah, I know some people in the in the marketing department and, and other areas that are they're on eight oh two and have not been allowed to upgrade from there. I, I think you, what you might find is that's a machine restriction. So their department doesn't have the, the, the resources to upgrade their memory and stuff to make this stuff run smoothly. So you might find that that's a, a re a different resourcing issue as opposed to code availability. I think it's it's certainly always interesting when you sit in an IBM cafeteria, as I tend to do fairly often when I go to briefings and so on, is to see what levels of software people are running. And it, it certainly seems rare to see people using the latest versions. But I, I guess that's that's true of any large company, and it's, it's how how you control that. But as you say, I think it, particularly if somebody's got an issue within IBM, I'm sure there's ways to raise that internally and, and get that dealt with rather than putting it on Twitter. I I I. Yeah, I'm just if it, this is the guy that I think it is, I'm stunned that this guy has actually said what he's he's said. I mean, I I have no reason to not believe um what he said on Twitter, but it's like to say it publicly it just seems, you know, almost career suicide or, you know, ex, you know, extremely bad taste. I I have to say guys uh that um there is this thing with We've had it with email and we're having it with other software tools that perhaps things you write in the heat of the moment, it's best to leave them for an hour and then come back to them and then decide if you're going to post them. Because uh, I've certainly posted things that I've since regretted hitting that uh, send button. And there was I thinking you were the sensible one, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it comes back as well, I guess, to, to one of the news stories of earlier on this month, which was um, about Howard Stern and his you know, very positive views about Lotus Notes against some of um, the, the comments that were made in a This Week in Google uh, podcast by, by Leo Laporte in terms of the negative side of Lotus Notes. And I, I guess that opens up really to, to how we in the community can deal with negative perceptions about notes you know i've heard several people say that they'll go up to people you know on an airplane or whatever that using an old version of notes and, and talk about the new versions and so on it are there any techniques that you've used to try and change public perception in, in terms of how people view the lotus products um yeah i mean when when people see r8 standard i think it is it is a perception changer and while I understand if you're using an old version of, of Notes, it is a bit clunky and it is a bit quirky. But the best way to do it is to actually show them eight, R8 or higher standard. And as an example, we have a lot of clients, who, a lot of customers, so STS customers, who do not want us to show their IT executives, the CIOs and, that, and them kind of people, eight standard because they're fearful that any planned migration to Exchange won't happen. And that's happened to me on a couple of occasions where we've actually done a demo of some code we've written and we ab absolutely upgrade the laptop to 8.5 standard before we do the demo and show them that. And that actually succeeded in, in, a, in a rather large banking corporation uh, in Georgia. We don't have a lot of banks left, but when we did, um, 
that, that worked out pretty well for that organization. And within a week, they'd already made the decision to move to 8.5 and, and, and forego a $250,000 exchange migration. So when they see it, it just does change perceptions. The question is, how can you get past these IT managers and IT director levels who want to not keep the status quo and want, want to kick notes out for whatever reason? And that's the problem. Indeed. Now, I, I guess we've, you know, we've always had this legacy, haven't we, of Lotus Notes sucks from, you know, R5 kind of days. And, and it's, you know, it, it's a long process isn't it, of trying to change that both within customers and, um, you know, on the on the open web. Um, and, and Twitter is, is a great thing for doing that, isn't it, in terms of being able to respond to people that are saying negative things about Notes and, and other Lotus products. Absolutely. I think, I mean, it's, uh, you know, echoing Darren, I mean, the key thing to this is actually listening, listening to what people's problems are with whatever version or whatever they're running. And then, for want of a better word, just showing them, showing them the good stuff, showing them the new stuff and persuading them that maybe um, they need to actually think about it again. Um, it's certainly worked for us with, with customers where you know, there's been uh, people have said, uh, what their hang-ups may be on the version they're running. And it's been quite remarkable to see the turnaround when we show them the latest versions and, and show them the answer to the issues they may have raised with us. Um, I, I have to say as well, there is a continuum here. It doesn't just stop at the borders of Lotus or any other uh, desktop or corporate uh, software product. Um, they all have their detractors. It's, I think, part of the nature of being what they are. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, that's, I, th- I think you're right. We we all have a role to play. And something I I've been thinking about over the last twenty four hours is is I guess not not to to jump on Eric, but are we right as a community to to raise the profile of such things even higher by blogging about them? Do you, do you think that's the right way to, to deal with it within the community to, to kind of get them out in the open and have a discussion? Or, or do you think in some ways we're better off dampening down any kind of negative uh, publicity that's out there? I think it's important to talk about it. If people have raised issues to talk about it, but try to talk about it with more light than heat. Because yeah. that's what really we want to get to the bottom of it, find out what the issues are and, and talk about them. And that probably brings Sorry, us- I'm putting my sensible head on again. <laughs> you were very well. Okay, well let's let's move on then to the next topic we've got on our list, which is user groups, because I, I guess that that's again a place where we can talk about some of these things with people that are outside the bubble you know user groups are great at pulling in people that don't normally participate in the community maybe um you know people that only have notes or, or lotus as part of their role but but are willing to to go to an event and, and get involved so i wonder whether you know somebody can can talk about really that the success of user groups in the last year or so has anybody been to a user group they found particularly useful or well organized or, or provides a model that other people can follow well, I think I think there's two different models right now of, of user groups, and that is, you know, the, the, the regional user groups like like we have in Atlanta and various other places around the Southeast United States, and then the super user groups, which are maybe the once a year, you know, um, iLog, iAmLog, you know, NWLog, pick a pick a two letter acronym, stick it in the front. That's probably a log right now, um, and I, and I think they they cover two different areas, um, and and I like the fact that there's there's, there's a lot of 
difference between the environments. So you can go to a big, a big one or two day lug, and generally now they're they're free for the participants, which I think is 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 very good. So you can go and learn all about the product, take classes, you know, learn from the the luminaries, de facto experts in the organ in in in, in the yellow sphere, and then in turn the the regional user groups leave. Leave the users feeling like they're not the last people buying boogie whips because everyone is under the impression that oh my god we're the last person using Lotus, and you get in a room of fifty people and you find that's not the case and that really turns around the perception from from the administrators and the developers in these little organisations that are doing this day in day out. I have to echo what um, uh, Darren is saying about the the uh, amazing well renaissance we've seen in user groups, and I'd also uh, I very much agree with Darren saying there's a there's a, a local community user group where people can get together and talk about you know, their own particular issues. There's also been, and this this is has has been remarkable, uh, the rise of. Um, such um, large-scale uh, user groups, such as the UK Lotus User Group, which we're involved in, where um, essentially you're getting very high-quality technical input for free in, uh, well, speaking on a purely UK-centric, but you know this side of the pond that people can actually reach, that we get a lot of people coming right from across EMEA, and I think that reflects the quality of the show. That is a remarkable thing, and to think it's been done by Lotus users, and it's it's put a buzz and a vibrancy back into the community. That's that's quite remarkable to see, and I have to say, uh, and yourself included, Tim, the support that these groups could have then got from IBM has been fantastic. I also think it's rubbed off into the LCTY events uh, because they, again, uh, the ones this year in the UK were excellent. I, I really have to say they were just excellent. Real buzz there, sort of buzz I felt at Lotusphere, which is fantastic. And uh, I really have to say hats off to them as well. I'd like to echo that. I mean, I, I've been sometimes a bit of a, you know, a negative commenter on, on Lotusphere comes to you and that sometimes it's felt like, you know, it, it's just been product now, uh, product update, product update, product update, without any real story told around it. And and this year was absolutely very different in the UK. It was it was a much more um, sort of rounded um, event in terms of trying to explain to people why they need to be using Lotus software, and, and with some really good speakers too. Uh, and, and and again, echoing IBM's input, I think they put a lot of money into the user groups recently and a lot of resource as well. And it's it's always interesting to see that the people that are willing to travel around the world to to um, take part in them, people like Mary Beth Raven and Susan Bullock and, and many others besides. I think one other thing that's really helped the uh, the LC2Is is that they've taken what used to be mainly a Chris Crummy uh, demo of the sort of day in the life of Lotus and really brought that out to other people. So... Uh, you know, if you have him, that's great. But now other people are doing the, you know, hour long. Here's what you can actually do: live demo of notes and all the integration with the other products and how it all can work together. Because that really, you know, we, we've all complained about the marketing that just says, "Hey, Lotus is great," or or talk about future visions of the of the product. But simply showing, as we talked about in the previous discussion, simply showing what it can do really opens up a lot of eyes. Yeah, the LCTY has been fantastic for showing the vision thing. Absolutely, and and I also think that's something that that went a long way to changing the uh, Jeff Jarvis is this week in technology guy, the guy that originally got famous because of his Howard Stern comments. You know, when Jeff Schick walked in there, one one of the head guys on 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 the collaboration side, and and showed him the 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 whole 
collaboration portfolio combined, that, that, that's a powerful statement for people to see. And being able to do that at LCTYs and at a, at a tip of a hat at, at, in, mm-hmm. in Howard Stern's organization, I think, is powerful. I think so. And it generated a tremendous amount of pub, uh, you know, publicity. There was there was a, a huge number of tweets and so on about Howard Stern that week and 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 how IBM responded to it. And and that was really good to see. Um, on the on the subject, of Fair comes to you. How successful were those events in in your area? Did you go to them? Yeah. So STS and Softchoice as well. I think Handley as well. We, we yes. probably are responsible for the majority of them around the southeast. I think we did two or three or three or four and I think Soft Choice did about half a dozen or in the process of doing half a dozen and on the yeah, SDS side yeah, we, yeah, we, we had pretty good attendance I was surprised I was actually amazed because I'm I'm a bit like you Stuart I, I was historically a detractor of LCT wise because it's 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 more it used to be more along the lines of look what's net new come hit my quota and now it's more along the lines of look what you can do as part of a portfolio so I think that was successful Handley what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think that really starting last year and and continuing to this year, they made a big push to make sure they got the executives there, they got the program managers, the people who own the products. Um, you know, people come out to actually do the presentations and all that at the event. Um, before that, you know, we would have ones in Atlanta, and we, you know, the partners would would run them, but we were really on our own. They were like, "Hey, partners, why don't you guys, you know, find some presentations from Lotusphere and and go through them?" And and now they're actually bringing the actual Lotus people in, and that helps drive more of your clients, more of the client executives who need to be making decisions to it because they know they're actually hearing from Lotus, and it's not, you know. Just a local, you know, business partner coming up and 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 talking about some technical thing that that may not bring the executives in who need to see the message. Exactly, and, and Atlanta is actually a pretty good example because I think we must have had probably seventy-five people, like give or take, is my guess. And if you take that into context, when cloud sherpas, the Google people in Atlanta who got famous for kicking the IBMers out, I think they had twelve or fifteen people at their thing. So when when you consider that. The Lotus portfolio itself is is twenty years old, and we're getting seventy five people in a room with not a lot of marketing effort. And the Google guys, the cloud server guys, marketed the crap out of theirs, and only got twelve people or fifteen people. I think it was a, a, a very very big success. So one of the questions that, that springs into my mind from that is: is do you, you know the, the guys out in the states again? If you do, you see Lotus nose as playing a big part in getting people to those events you know has the again overall perception of the lotus brand been raised because of the marketing that ibm's been doing not, not in the southeast it doesn't exist down here per se um if, if you look at where it was targeted it was chicago boston and i can't remember where else so there was a couple of other cities i think st louis but i'm not entirely sure um I have seen a couple on elevators in various places around the country, but I think Atlanta, which is a pretty big Lotus hub, you know, STS is here, Soft Choice, Handley's guys are here, and and Group 911 are also here. You know, it's a pretty big Lotus hub, probably the biggest in the United States. I haven't really seen a lot except what we hang on the walls at LCT. <laughs> <laughs> Would you echo that, Handley? Yeah, I agree. The, the only Lotus Notes knows uh, things I've seen in the wild on the in the wild have been online. Um, I saw one actually show up in the weather uh, the Weather Channel app on my BlackBerry one day, but I haven't seen any around Atlanta. Um, I think that they're, you know, they targeted areas that the Lotus people, obviously Boston and things like that, so they see them a lot. But um, it, it they've taken a first step, but they really need to get it get it out to more people and also start getting out of the 
conceptual level of Lotus knows great stuff to actually starting to do things like, you know, showing screenshots or showing actual, uh, you know, product in action, which will help get people's attention better. Because I think a lot of people think of, you know, when they say Lotus, people think of their old vision of Lotus, and then they just say Lotus knows, and like, ah, Lotus is doing some marketing. Whereas if we can, you know, we need to get past that initial thing and get it out to more people. Excellent. I, I, th- I think that's right. And, you know, what's going to be interesting to see how that rolls around, uh, around the world over the next sort of, couple of years or so. Obviously, it's still quite a US-centric campaign, although I think it's launched in Germany as well now. Is that right, Mike? Yes, they're launching in Germany and they've just launched it in South Africa around the World Cup as well. And uh, we hear there are some more countries uh, coming up in the pipeline as well. One thing I'd like to say is, yeah, the U.S. rollout, I think, has really been almost like a test market up to now with hitting, as, as Darren is saying, just, uh, some key cities, mainly around the Northeast. And I think the response they've had from the market they've targeted has been very good so far. So uh, I hear that it's watched this space for further activity. Um, sorry, to, <clears throat> I wish I had more to say on that one, but that's what I've heard so far. But it will be interesting to see how big a splash they make in South Africa with the worldwide coverage. So with the World Cup coverage, whether there's any, you know, adverts on TV or you know, branding at the matches and so on. I've heard that the budgets for this are very, very serious, very serious indeed, uh, which I think does show the commitment behind it, and also that this is not a flash in the pan. This has been going on now. That this this campaign has been rolling on and is planned to roll on, as you're saying, in places like uh, in key markets like the USA, Germany, and uh, other markets I hear in the pipeline. Um, and I think that reflects the commitment. Um, they went pretty far up the tree in IBM to get the commitment for this, and I think it shows. Excellent. Tim, I'm interested from an inside IBM point of view, I don't know whether you have one really, is that I've always seen, obviously all IBMers have to use Lotus Notes, I assume, for your email, but is is there a great knowledge outside of Software Group maybe of, of what Lotus does? And have you got any thoughts on whether Lotus Notes is making much of an impact inside IBM to the people that don't necessarily know what Lotus is about? Um, good question. I'm not sure that, you know, any, I think everybody inside IBM knows, you know, a bunch about Lotus because we use same time and we use notes. You know, everyone uses it day to day. So I think everybody has an awareness of it, and I, and you know that's that's goodness because that's where we sit within the software group and the software portfolio is that we are you know seen as the front end, if you like, the user interface into everything else that happens. Apart from some of the Tivoli products that you end up with on your desktop, like Tivoli Storage Manager and stuff like that. But, you know, realistically, it's inside IBM. I don't think there's that much of a, an awareness of the Lotus Nose campaign at all, apart from the other brands in the software group. And this is uh, a point I wanted to make was it's really interesting to see everybody else's reaction to the fact that we're marketing a brand as opposed to Smarter Planet um, from IBM. Because... There is so much that goes on inside IBM, and IBM's marketing budget, as everybody's marketing budget, is limited to a certain extent. You know, on a global scale, it looks huge, but when you start looking at how much you would have to market if you wanted to market Tivoli and Rational and WebSphere and IM and Lotus, it, you know, that's just the the software side of things. If you wanted to market all the hardware brands as well, then you know that marketing budget is going to go nowhere. Which is why we market IBM as a whole 
uh, on you know on mass through a you know a big campaign. Um, but when the reaction we've had from um, other brands to us as Lotus people, you know, inside IBM has been stunning. They've been saying, how did you do it? Why can't we do it? You know, what's, you know, what do we have to do? Who do, who do we have to go and see? It's been stunning. Everybody else has gone, wow, how on earth did you manage that? And it's great. So lots of people have been saying, I've seen your advert. It's like, it's awesome. How did you do it? And it's, it's great. Um, it's great to see that everybody else inside IBM values the fact that that the marketing for a specific brand is the right thing to do. And it's interesting to see that everybody else is trying to jump on that bandwagon, bandwagon if you like. You know, Lotus is trailblazing again, and it just happens to be the fact that we've managed to put together a business case to actually get some, some marketing of our brand for a change instead of the generic IBM marketing. And the reaction I get from customers is exactly the same. Wow, it's great to see that you guys are still there, still doing stuff. And, you know, we get the campaign. It's not, you know, a lot of people have said uh, in the past, the, the generic IBM marketing is sometimes confusing because you're not actually selling a particular product or anything. It's just a, a concept or an idea or, you know, e-business or SOA or the smarter planet it, it's fairly conceptual when you look at it from a marketing campaign and it, it might not mean much to, to people you know when they look at it for the first time until they've had it explained to them but that's I guess is the trick of marketing is to get people to come and ask you questions about it but you know everybody gets the whole Lotus Nose thing it's fairly instant fairly you know fairly good really from a marketing point of view um, as to whether people inside IBM <coughs> get it yeah, I think they do. I think some of them are a little bit jealous, to be fair, but that's goodness, <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely right. And and I, I guess if there's that um, attention to it inside IBM, hopefully that'll help them, you know, keep the money going into that campaign going forward. Yeah, we've just. I think we've got to be careful that we don't end up with um, with software groups saying, "Oh, well, if that worked for Lotus, then you can have Lotus's budget for next year." It's like, whoa, no, 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 stop, stop. <laughs> please don't take it away. Um, so, if anybody from marketing's listening, please don't let that happen. <laughs> and, and and I think that's the key. You know, T- Tim said in that conversation um, uh, uh, that a customer had said, "It said, I'm glad you're still there." We need to get away from the word "still" and and have this be a prolonged campaign where you don't people don't see the Lotus Nose campaign and say, aren't they the guys that made one, two, three? And I think this is definitely a first stage. I think the World Cup's going to be a splendid opportunity to break out. I just hope they don't blow their entire budget on the uh, June 25th game between North Korea and the Ivory Coast. <laughs> That's the only thing I'll say. I hope it's in a few more games than just that one. Did, did the American, <laughs> I, I don't follow soccer or football for whoever's listening on which side of the Atlantic. Um, but... Um, you know, did America make it into the World Cup? Yeah, the USA play England in their first game, so oh, I just they'll become, blow it all on that. Yeah, if they I've, blow I've it all just, on that, that'll be fine. <laughs> I've, I've just become a US citizen about about four months ago, so oh, for the first time in my life, yes, for the first time in my life, I was able to say, "Well, hey, we won a gold medal in the Winter Olympics." <laughs> And, and now I'm, I'm actually American Junior Olympics and I'm English during the World Cup. And I've already told my salespeople, if you schedule a call during an England game, you're fired. So it's not just John Mulholland that's <laughs> top of my list. The sales guys at STS are also walking the fine line if they book me out during the World Cup. Oh, dear. I, I actually, um, 
I actually saw a uh, a restaurant respond to somebody on Twitter the other day because somebody was complaining about the fact that can't find anywhere that's not showing the World Cup. And they responded saying, we're not showing the World Cup at all in any of our restaurants. Please come and eat with us. <laughs> Which I thought was a really interesting use of Twitter. <laughs> was, was, was a restaurant in America? Uh, no, it was in England. <laughs> oh. Wow. Excellent. On the subject yeah, of the World Cup... It's going to be very hard to get away... Get very hard to get away from the World Cup here in, uh, in England over the next uh, few weeks. Well, it's been difficult to get away from it over the last month, Mike. Every TV advert is football-related <laughs> now. Sorry, soccer-related for American cousins. <coughs> um, but it, it's, it's just crazy. Somebody's phone's quite close to their mic. Um, on the subject of the World Cup, uh, I don't know whether any of you are aware, but Carl Tyler has done a, a very nice site based on Domino. It's an NSF, you'll be pleased to hear, called worldcup-pool.com. So if any of you want to um, to place a bet on, on how you think the World Cup will go, you can vote on each match, who's going to win, and then who's going to win the overall tournament. So that's worth taking part in as well if you're, if you're part of the community. Why doesn't that surprise me that Carl Tyler came up with that? <laughs> Very nice app too, actually. Quite a good use of Domino. So on the subject of, of Domino then, um, we've got a new release coming up relatively soon. I don't think we've got a date yet, which is 852. Uh, and there was a bit of a, um, a, a news blast um, from the people who run the beta saying that we're... Ne- sorry, beta for those on the other side of the Atlantic, saying that we're now allowed to talk about 852. So I wonder, um, on the call we've got some design partners. Uh, what's your favourite feature in 852? What are you particularly looking forward to? Um... True local replication control for end users via policies. This has been a long-standing issue with Notes for years where Notes really is, is a very, very good product by itself. But when you use a local replica model, a lot of the latency, all of the latency disappears out of a product. So it was, you know, I'm, a big, I'm a big proponent to using local replica for mail files. And it's always been difficult to control that through policies. I can create a local replica, but I can't make you use it. Well, there's a lot of stuff coming in in 8.5.2 which's going to make this a whole lot easier and also to add some extra DEOS functionality to the client. Not quite what everyone's expecting. It's not going to store 14 gig of attachments in a separate folder on your hard drive. Uh, but it will, it will make it easier to send and receive known quote-unquote attachments backwards and forwards from a server in 8.5.2. And that, and I'll leave the replicator to you, Stuart, because I know that's your favorite feature. <laughs> it is. I'll come on to that in a minute. Anybody else got a view? I've got two views on 8.5.2. Um, the first is for development um, in X pages, because, you know, that's where I'm at, guys. Um, I think being able to drag and drop components into the source code is going to be life-changing for some X pages developers. Um, and the other thing that is going to be life-changing for everyone who uses Notes is the multi-threaded replicator. Um, and I just have found that astoundingly useful um, in having everything replicates whilst my mail is replicating because that tends to be the, the biggest thing that I replicate. So um, I think those two things are the key features for me. Well, I think I think overall performance uh, of the client is going to be a huge help because we're still seeing people who can't upgrade because they're on older machines and they're not able to, to bring it. And as we continue to improve that in performance, we're going to allow more people to, to upgrade sooner than they otherwise would have. And on a general level, I think it's going to bring a, a better user experience, as Darren was saying, about managed replicas and uh, being able to set your own fonts. I think it's a, a much better user experience or an improved 
user experience over where we already are. I think that's right. Do Do you guys feel it's as big a deal as eight five one was? And I know a lot of co- companies waited until eight five one to start deploying eight five dot x as a release. Um, do we think there's customers waiting for eight five two in the same way? Do we think people will upgrade in the same way as they did with eight five one? Yes, because there is a little known but very popular bug in eight five one where the automatic refresh of the inbox doesn't work anymore. So we've had a lot of customers move to eight five one before we knew the bug was there. And now they're all complaining about that their inbox doesn't refresh automatically. So this this is actually a, a killer feature coming back in that was a regression bug, but I think is going to force a very, very quick rollout of 8.5.2. Excellent. I mean, my my favorite features, by the way, I missed out was obviously the multi-threaded replicator. I just absolutely adore as somebody replicates something like 30 or 35 uh, databases, <laughs> which is probably really bad practice. So sorry about that. But that, that just makes a world of difference. Um, and the new database icons, I think, are just wonderful that they finally got, um, you know, more graphical icons or at least being able to upload those on your own database so i know there's there's uh, some of the default databases which won't have a uh, new look icons quite on release but at least they're, they're working on that and, uh, and bringing it forward i am really looking forward to having my photo on all of my databases so all of my employees have to look at me every single day <laughs> i'm sure they'll be thrilled Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Little does, Ma- little, little, little does Mary Beth know what she's forced upon the world adding this feature. Excellent. Um, and, and, of course, as new versions come in, old versions kind of drop off the uh, the back end as well. So um, just last month we had um, Note 6.5 and Domino 6.5 drop off for support. Um, anybody got any particular feelings on that in terms of uh, their customers that are still on 6.5? And were there any particular things in 6.5 that made it a memorable release for you? I will say we are seeing a lot of clients who are still on 6.5 and are surprised when they, you know, they come up and we've even seen people who are essentially wanting to reinstate their license and, yeah, I want to buy a 6.5 license. And it's like, well, I have a little bit of news for you. <laughs> um, and so that's it's helped at least open up that conversation of, hey, you really ought to be looking at the new versions. Um, and we, we've actually now started the conversations because uh, 7 goes into support next April. So. Um, you know, we, we really, you know, people need to really start thinking about that as well, because there's a lot of people like, well, I wasn't on six five, I can wait, but it's, you know, we really need to get people moved to eight. Excellent. I mean, I've certainly seen it in the UK with my customers. Not many people are still on Notes and Domino six five. There's an awful lot of people that were still running Quick Place seven. Um, which has has also dropped off support. So, um, you know, if you're one of those customers that is running Quick Play still, now's the time to be thinking about going to Quicker to to get up to supported releases again. And and to kind of echo Handley's, uh, what what he's seen, we're seeing a lot of um, development X pages interest come out of this because a lot a lot of people languished back in the days of six five because a lot of people upgraded to seven and didn't see any difference and said, okay, we'll stay where we are. And and with now. It's it's seven to eight years old. We're seeing a lot of people come around and say, "Hey, we want to we want to modernize this six five application and take it to the web. What can you do?" And then, then you show them X pages, and that that's a that's a conversation changer right there. That's that's where you'll see a lot of upgrades take place that maybe wouldn't have happened. These X pages. Brilliant, Tim. You got a view on that? Do you do you see many customers coming to you saying they're still running older versions and they want to know about know about X pages in in eight? I think it's been really interesting to see the business partner community take X pages 
um, and grab it by the neck, if you like, and say, actually, this is a great door opener for us because we can go back to everybody who's still on the install base of older versions and say, look what we can do now. Here's new versions of our software. If you want these versions of our software, then you need to upgrade. I think it's been a really, really good um, enabler, if you like, for the partner community. Um, Customer-wise, to be honest, I've been so disconnected from the customers for so long, I have no idea what in the install base is doing anymore. Um, you know, and we can talk more about that later. Um, but it's, I, I don't know what's going on inside the, um, you know, what's going on inside the, the, the customer base right now. I guess I'll get back into that um, fairly shortly. But right now, the business partners are driving XPages um, adoption. And actually, you know, it's been a great way for business partners to get, you know, newer versions of our software into our, into the install base. So, you know, to all of the business partners out there that have been doing that, I I applaud you and thank you greatly for that. Interesting uh, question for, for Mike then, really, is that, um, you know, in Turtle, I guess you have both a development and an admin arm. So have you got any feel for, for what's driving the other one forward, if you know what I mean? Is it people looking to upgrade their infrastructure and therefore then thinking about XPages or is it people wanting XPages apps and therefore then looking to upgrade their infrastructure to support that? I think it's led by, um, I think as uh, Darren mentioned or as Tim mentioned, it's it's led by the changes in customer needs as as the um, as they actually move forward and what they want, where X pages can actually help them as I say taking taking existing applications to the web. That drives it more than anything else because you know, um, sorry, personal soapbox of mine. We get very hung up on versions and what versions we have, and there are huge benefits in upgrading and going to the latest versions. But at the end of the day, it's really about what the customer is trying to do and what are the best set of software tools to help them actually do that. And, I mean, as, as Tim is saying, XPages has been fantastic for that very reason, for giving you an opportunity to say, right, look, here, this is what you have, and this with XPages is what you can then do with it. So taking it back to, to business needs at the end of the day and, and business focus and, and the, the tools are there to support that. Yes, absolutely, because that's what you know. I feel that's what what drives uh, what the customer is actually looking for and what they want us to deliver. Interesting. Okay, on that topic, really, um, I do a lot of work with Lotus Connections. I'm sure a lot of people know that, and Handley, I know you're in this kind of area as well. Um, and it's been a real sort of growth area, I guess, over the last couple of years is social software. And I'm interested just in terms of your views from the customers you speak to and the people you speak to in the community. How much has social software been adopted by the enterprises we work with? Is it is it there today? Are people really seeing benefits from it? Have they adopted it in the customers you work with? We've seen we've seen some that, that people are you know especially from the technology areas want to deploy it. Um, there's a lot of interest in it. Um, I will say a key success factor is making sure the business people are involved and paying attention through that initial adoption phase. So we've seen some people who love the idea of the features, but then they don't get it in the end user's hands, and it kind of stagnates a little bit because they don't you, know, you don't sort of get that ball rolling and everybody using it. Um, but that said, I think a lot of the things that the, that Lotus Connections added in 2.5 and, and are coming in the next versions are really going to help sort of bring that that social networking to another level where people can really discover you know more things that are going on and have it automatically bring 
information to them, um, whereas the earlier versions were more of a way for you to individuals to publish out where people could find it. Now there's more and more ways through like the river of news and everything where you can actually see what's going on. And, and also with the growth of, of things like Facebook, uh, the end users are starting to understand how to deal with that kind of information flow, um, which helps the adoption of the enterprise project uh, products. Have you seen any particular sort of verticals that that you you've seen have really sort of adopted social software and and understand what it's all about? Here in the UK, I'm I'm working with quite a lot of universities, for example, who really seem to be being asked for it by their students and therefore are being forced to look into it. I wonder whether you've seen any particular vertical focus. I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, I don't know if it'd be vertical per se, but but more of if you look at organizations that are more dispersed, um, like a university or um, you know, a company that may have a large supply chain, that sort of thing. It really helps them out a lot. You know, sometimes we go in and we tell people about how great social networking is, and they're like, "Well, you know, most of the people who would network together are on this floor in this building," and they you know they don't see that extended collaboration because they just walk over to each other's desks. But when you get in these, you know, the, the larger uh, companies that are in multiple cities or multiple nations and, and need to coordinate people who don't see each other on a, on a daily basis, that's really the value comes in. Okay. And how, how about tools on the outside? Maybe, Darren, you got a view on this. How many of, of your customers so, you know, block Facebook and Twitter and so on? Have you had any success in, in trying to convince your customers that social software is a way forward in terms of doing some of that internally? Um, I, I would say as a general rule, most clients above 100 seats of whatever have blocked YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, unless they have some type of social networking policy or they're in the process of, 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 of building one. And it's more often than not, it's a marketing department. And it doesn't seem to matter what the, what the customer sells. The marketing department always seems to think if we have a Twitter account, we will sell more of Widget X. It doesn't matter if Widget X is ammunition or whether widget x is crack cocaine they seem to think if they have a twitter account it's like like the old web used to be build a website and they will buy it um one of the things we 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 did to change or try and change this is the tips and two site the, the videos the screencasts are actually hosted on youtube and we did that for a reason and that is to kind of show customers that you know there is potential business reasons to open up things like the social networks and I think the thing that gets me is, is nomenclature because the word social network means different things to different people. But it, it is what it is right now. We're having, we're having fights on a, on a weekly basis to get things punched through firewalls. Excellent. Well, I, I think that's certainly what um, you know, I'm seeing as well is that it's, it's a fight in many organizations, particularly the more um, – you know, maybe uh, manufacturing-based or more traditional businesses that have a, a perhaps a you know typically white male middle-class kind of board. They they don't necessarily see the the reasons why social networking can can make a difference to them, uh, and so that's something that that we can all work on, I guess. And again, taking it back, I guess as Mike was saying, to the business focus, what can it do for their business, rather than why is this particular technology of interest? Yeah, and you're exactly right about the the middle-aged white board you know it's the people who have never quite got same time will also never quite get connections and it seems to be a, a generational gap and trying to bridge that generation gap is, is difficult and i'm actually hoping this is where maybe the ipad can help to be quite honest 
Yeah, well, absolutely. And I, I think already there's there's a lot of interest in the iPad from people that wouldn't necessarily have looked at tablets or anything like that in the past. So, Mike, I guess you've obviously got your hands on one now. What what would you say is the you know the main reason why people are looking at getting iPads based on your experience? Is there a particular need that they're trying to satisfy or is it just because it's new and shiny and from Apple? Yeah. <laughs> um. The way we see it is that, I mean, everything is is a tool uh, in terms of actually how you use it during the day. The thing that that we found using it on a sort of uh, joint consumer and uh, business side of it has been its portability and its usability. Um, The ability to walk around actually with this device at times is extremely useful. It's a very simple thing. Uh, the ability to drop having a laptop, be able to have this device with you wherever you go. The um, the speed and the usability of the interface with Traveller has really blown us away. We, we've uh, Tim here, for example, he's been, even though he has his laptop in front of him, he's been using his iPad to interact with his mail because he finds it uh, faster and easier to do so. Um, I think it's still finding its uh, niche, but obviously Apple have targeted it right. I think there is a a huge demand out there for something that is a tool that is less bulky, more portable, possibly even easier to use than a laptop. And bridging the gap between, yes, I'm not going to have a laptop, I'm going to have a handheld. Well, something in between there that's got that higher degree of usability, but still isn't a laptop or something you have to drag around with you. I think it's very interesting to see how this is going to uh, develop. I I was surprised how heavy it was. Sorry about that, Tim. I was surprised how heavy it was. I mean, Bruce was down, Bruce Elgott was at Atlog last week and he had his... And the thing weighs a fair bit. I guess it's obviously the battery is what it is. But I, I was kind of surprised. You know, you don't want to be lying in bed reading that and fall asleep and have it fall on your head. You'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I suppose it's going to be like uh, using the uh, the hand, uh, the, the Wii and all the injuries people were getting with throwing it uh, through the, the TV screen. <laughs> so, there'll be a Facebook group for uh, concussions from playing uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised that you, to hear that Tim's using it for his email. I, I've heard lots of comments um, of people saying it's not that great for typing on. Um, I, I suppose it's uh, it's interesting. It is very interesting. I, but I, I, all I can say is that Tim, ha- I've seen Tim using it. I've seen Tim typing on it for his email, and with no trouble at all. And uh, it certainly seems to be fast and relatively easy to use. Um, I think there is this, I, I do think there is this thing about um, people's familiarity and need for a, a physical keyboard as opposed to a virtual keyboard. But for Tim, it seems to, to work okay. Um, I'd be interested to see what other people feel about it. Um, I've, I've seen comment as well that if anybody's got the old um, iPod um, camera adapter, which is basically a, a, a plug that goes in the bottom of your iPod and then um, you've got a USB connector on the bottom of it, apparently you can plug in um, your keyboard, your USB keyboard into the bottom of an iPad or a bottom of your iPhone um, and actually type on that. I've not tried it myself, even though I have the connector, um, but, you know, I didn't really want to blow up my iPhone. But the other thing I... I I guess if you've got a laptop and you've got some sort of smart mobile phone, 
I don't. I, I hear an awful lot of people, and I get it myself. I don't see the need for an iPad. So that's just my take on it, I guess. Where I've seen them being used pretty effectively is is in meetings. If you, you know, if you if you bring a laptop to a meeting, then you have this screen kind of between you and the other people in the meeting. And if you start typing on it, you might be looking up you know a document out of quicker or something like that. But you're, you know, the other people don't know. They think you're just you know chatting on Twitter or answering your emails instead of paying attention to them. Whereas with the iPad, you can lay it down in front of you just like you would a, a notepad or something, um, and you know that you would write on and and it gets rid of that physical separation between you and the other people, but still gives you the ability to get to the bit different information you may want to reference during the meeting. And that really helps change the meeting dynamics. And I think you're going to see a more uh, adoption at that executive level because that, and of course, all the things that Lotus can bring to the table of, Hey, now you can get to your, your uh, information and in quicker connections or whatever, and be able to look it up fast is going to be a good, a good play there. That's a, yeah, that's I, a very good point. We have a customer, a lot of healthcare, big hospitals, and we've been asked over the last couple of weeks, we're looking to roll iPads out to all of our doctors. Um, what can we do as far as travel, et cetera, et cetera? And we've been doing some research on that. So, Handley, you're exactly right. Um, I think it, it, it's going to be interesting to see if it's vertical or whether it's horizontal across markets. My view is certainly is, is pretty horizontal based on the people I've seen with them so far in the UK. And given, given they only went on sale today, it's amazing how many people in the UK have already got them. Um, yeah, <laughs> obviously people have bought them in from the States or wherever they're available. But it's certainly- amazing this technology called aeroplanes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> not from you, England, Tim. it's not. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the volcanoes, but you know, yeah. in general. <laughs> Um, and, and then uh, moving on from the iPad, I, I guess that takes us on to Android quite successfully. And it certainly seems as if IBM and Lotus are, are beginning to adopt Android or at least think about develop for the Android platform. And of course, we had the Google I.O. conference last week where they announced the latest version. Is it Froyo of, um, of Android and some of the improvements they're making there? So uh, have you seen much inroads uh, made by Android in, in the companies you work with? None at all. Google is the next AOL. Ooh, that's quite a statement, Darren. I'm gonna leave it right there. You heard it here first. In 25 years, you'll 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 thank me. I'd like that, Darren. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> Google is the next AOL. Awesome, love it. Tim, you seen any Androids in use? Um, only with techie business partners like Warren and Matt and and people like that that I know in the UK. Um, not inside business yet. It, it tends to be, you know, the contractors and developers and stuff who are sort of trying to adapt themselves to that and see if that's the, the next big thing to jump onto. So, interesting stuff. Tip. Certainly, from from our point of view, it has a very high profile in the press. Android has a very high profile in the press, but I think there is a perception, a perception that, uh, as you're saying, it's a it's a techie phone that needs skills to operate it. That's probably unfair as opposed to the easier, you know, user-friendliness of other offerings on the marketplace. Maybe that's going to change with the new releases. It could well do. I mean, something I was very interested to see is in the news, they, they've said that in the first quarter of 2010, Android phones outsold the iPhone in the US by a significant margin. Yeah. Which, which Well, that's because everybody's already got one. <laughs> they, they've already <laughs> got exactly an iPhone, right. they're not buying them because they're waiting for the next release. Well, and, and I think if, if you look between the lines, that, that's exactly what it is, is. A lot of people already have 
uh, an iPhone and they don't want to go out and buy one because they're worried about what specs the iPhone OS 4 will need despite the fact of being released. People are just kind of stopped. Now, what is interesting is Google sold next to none direct on the web. And I find that very intriguing that Google were going to change the market and kind of hit a brick wall. And Google really never hit a brick wall. And one of the other interesting things is, is Lisa, my wife, the real leader of STS, uh, whenever she sees a Google, uh, an Android ad on the, on, the, on the TV, she always says, Android, not for women, because it's completely skewed towards you know, technical males between the age of probably 14 and 25, the adverts over here. So it's, it's, it's starting to set off the nerd girls uh, <laughs> against it. So we'll see how far it goes. I want you to say to Warren and Matt, uh, Matt White and Warren Ellsmore, next time you speak to them, Darren, that they've got a phone that's for 25-year-olds and see what reaction you get. <laughs> yeah, uh, they might ask for the hair back. <laughs> <laughs> Me ouch. We'll wait for your blog post on that one, Darren. Excellent. Okay, well, I think we're pretty much running out of time, so so let's draw that to a close. Now, something we're going to end up with um, on each podcast is um, a hints and tips section. So basically trying to get a tip from each of our contributors um, in terms of it could be a product, could be a new feature or integration point maybe in a Lotus product we use, maybe an interesting site on the web, just something that could be of interest to the um, people that are listening to the podcast, to you that are valued listeners um, that you could use um, during your next week after listening to the podcast so um all the guys have, have, have known this was coming so hopefully they've all got a tip ready to go so who should we start with how about mike do you have a tip you can share <laughs> thank you Stuart. well uh, what all i'd uh, really like to highlight and i seem to have covered this at length beforehand is take a look at the ipad it's a very interesting device and uh, i think there is a, a road for it uh, as we picked up from this conversation in terms of uh, business and in terms of business applications being used on it, and it, it being used in a way that uh, there is a niche that's horizontal across a lot of businesses. And it's great to see Lotus already in there and already uh, uh, linking themselves onto the iPad as well. So it's not very coherent, but that's my tip. <laughs> a very good tip. And I'm sure many of us, by the time we go to Lotus for next year, we'll probably be carrying one. So we'll have to see on that one. Uh, Tim, how about you? Do you have a tip for us? Um, yeah, I guess I do. I, I guess the the thing I'd say is take a look at some of the the older stuff that was around. Um, if you've got a problem, I would suggest you know with any Lotus software, I'd suggest you do one of two things: a type in lotus.com forward slash followed by the product name because that still works and if you get really really stuck go to notes.net because that url still works and there you'll find um actually it will take you to developer works these days and basically you'll be able to search um the support knowledge base um, to actually find help with your problem if you don't find help in the knowledge base it will also search the forums for you and if you don't see your question asked put it in the forum and see who looks at it. I know a whole bunch of dev guys look at the forum on a regular basis. So um, these are guys who write the code. So if they can't answer it, no one can. That's my tip. Excellent. 
And uh, I'll just throw in there a couple of things I've done fairly recently, which is that if you're looking for info centres or wikis for Lotus, sometimes the URLs are a bit tricky to remember, particularly if you're not on your own machine or you're on a mobile device or something. Um, and so there's a couple of URLs you can use. One is lotusinfocenters.com, and that's the American spelling of center, E-R-S at the end, um, slash the name of your product you're looking for. So quicker, connections, notes, designer, um, and that will take you through to the info centre. And there's also lotuswikis.com slash and then the product name. And again, that will take you to the name of the wiki. So just in case that's of interest to anybody. Um, and also, um, I don't know how many people here replicate their forums down onto their notes client, but I do. And it's a fabulous function um, if you don't already. So therefore, if you're stuck on an aeroplane or, or you know, in an airport, you need to look up something on the knowledge base or on the forums, you can actually get replicated access to those, which makes a, a world of difference if you use notes on a regular basis. Darren, is that something you do? I actually don't, um, mainly because I have a solid-state drive. So my my drive space is reasonably small in the grand scheme of things, but it's really, really fast. Um, just to brag, note starts in like four seconds. Oh. Um, so I, I don't do that, but that's just a space thing. And if I ever got around to it, I could always set up replication space savers and take care of that, but I'm just lazy. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> that's fine. Do you have a... Do you have a tip for us, Darren? I, I, I do. Um, I'm not sh- do you guys have Netflix in the UK? No, we don't. But we, okay. have, we have other firms that do similar things. We have lovefilm.com. Okay. So in the United States, Netflix have just released an application that allows you to stream straight to your Nintendo Wii their entire catalogue. So instead of having to have a computer or an iPad or whatever parked next to your computer, uh, next to your big plasma or LCD TV, now you can just use your Wii. The disc is free from Netflix. Just log on to Netflix and do a quick search for uh, Wii and you should find the disc and I'll send you the disc for free and then you can stream all of your programs. And I've been avidly watching all of the old A-teams. Oh dear, there's no accounting for taste, clearly. I forgot, I, I, well, well, what you don't realise is when you're 10, you don't realise how bad they are. <laughs> so I've heard that they're doing a similar sort of thing. They're going to do a similar app for the PS3 as well. It's, yeah, the PS3 was already out and so was the Xbox 360. So the Wii was the last one. And I only have a Wii, mainly because I wanted a rock band to practice for, for kimonos. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is it's, it's, it's a splendid piece of software and very well written and provided you've got the internet connection you can just stream TV shows and, and even full movies straight to your TV and without needing a laptop or anything it's actually very good I'm, I'm impressed excellent good tip there and Hanley how about you um, well, we, t- we talked a lot about X-Pages uh, early in the podcast, and we were actually really privileged in Atlanta. Um, I guess it was two weeks ago, Bruce Elgort uh, flew all the way over here from, from the West Coast and, and gave us a great presentation on on what X-Pages can do and, and really tips for getting started and everything. And I think that was that was a really good thing. You know, I think a lot of the your traditional Domino developers may not realize how easy it is to get into it. And people who may be like a, a traditional Java developer may not understand how, how close the uh, X-Pages is to JSF and, and things they've looked at. Um, I actually lo- live-blogged the event on my blog at handley.blogspot.com. That's H-A-N-D-L-Y. Um, so if you go there, you can see everything that Bruce talked about, and there's links both to his presentation and some other resources that... Um, can help people get started. Uh, so if you haven't jumped on X pages yet, uh, do it now because that's where where all of the uh, Lotus development is moving to on the note side. 
Excellent, thank you. Uh, and and my tip, just to finish off with, um, I don't know how I sound today on the podcast. Hopefully, okay. Uh, but my tip is is for the microphone I'm using, which is a Blue Microphones Snowball. I don't know whether any of you guys have seen these. They're, they've been around for a few years now, but they are worth every penny. Uh, about eighty pounds in the UK. Get them from Amazon or or Apple. Um, and it's it's really. I've been through numerous different devices that I've carried around to to be on. Uh, conference calls and so on which I spend quite a lot of time on working with IBM as you guys probably are aware um, and you know headsets get broken in my bag and various other things and so I've ended up carrying around just a, a pair of headphones um, and my snowball and it is a great device so um, so that's my recommendation. My tip for you Stuart would be to search Google because I've just seen those for $62 new in the States so Ooh, buy wow. one next time you're out there. Okay I will do. <laughs> $62 sounds good to me. It's about £40 isn't it? Yep, roughly. Roughly. Excellent. Right, well, thank you all for taking part. We're just over the hour, so hopefully that's not too much for people to listen to when they're uh, in their car or on their commute on Monday morning. Uh, we'll be publishing the, the podcast over the weekend. That'll be the plan for each week. Um, and Darren and I will be hosting this each week with a, a panel of, of different people who can uh, who will be joining us, um, hopefully a, a good cross-section of the community. So thanks to all you guys who took part in our first podcast. Just to finish off with, if, if you can tell people where to find you uh, during the week, if they've got any questions on what we've said or, or just following up with you so how about mike if you start with you how do people get hold of you if you could email at me at uh, mike s at turtlepartnership.com that would be great awesome and thank you very much for listening thank you mike thanks for taking part hanley how about you um best way to get me is probably handley on twitter h-a-n-d-l-y awesome thank you and tim um, easiest way to get me is uh, either go and look at whois.ibm.com and search for me um, or find me at timstac on Twitter Awesome, and finally to my co-host Darren, how about, how about you? How do people get a hold of you? Uh, probably Twitter is probably the de facto choice these days that's Darren Duke, all one word D-A-R-R-E-N-D-U-K-E Okay, and finally, I'm Stuart McIntyre. I'm on most social networks as Stuart McIntyre, S-T-U-A-R-T-M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E. So feel free to, to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, in the meantime, check out our site at thisweekinlotus.com. Uh, we have a page on Facebook as well. Just search for This Week in Lotus. You can even follow us on Twitter as well uh, with at This Week in Lotus. Uh, and we're actually on iTunes as of this morning as well, so you can subscribe there. So numerous ways to, to get this podcast and to stay in touch. So once again, thank you, everybody. I'm Stuart McIntyre, and this was This Week in Lotus. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer.